What's up? Before we start this episode, uh, we have some things to discuss. Um, if you follow my socials, you know that I said there were going to be some changes coming up on the podcast. Well, uh, the best time in any is to uh, pull off the band-aid and just come right out and say it. So, truth be told, I love the title of Top 10 Reasons Why podcast. I thought it was was clever, witty, kind of corny. It's right down my alley. But in saying that, it could be a bit hindering. So we're going to have to make some changes. Uh, I know I repeated myself like twice. But anyway, um, that change is going to be to the title. And it's going to be top 10 with BK Spades going forward. And the reason for that is it gives me a chance to do other things within the top 10. uh, Work with the titles a little more. Just have a little bit more leeway to do different things. So without further ado, we're going to start this episode. So thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the Top 10 with BK Space. I am your host, BK Space, obviously. Uh, this is our fourth episode. We've made it through a entire month. This has been my No Fear November, and I would like to think it was a success. So, you know how this goes. We got a top 10. We're going to do a, a little bit of explaining why certain people are where they are. And today's top 10 is Great TV Dads. We took dads from the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and we whittled them down to a list of 30. Then we made that list from 30 to 15, and then we made our top 10s, which was very difficult, especially around the top five. Um, the criteria to make the top 30 list was pretty basic, actually. Um, so here's basically what the list, well, the criteria was to make the 30. You must be on TV. That means no movies, no YouTube, no streaming, no reality TV. Uh, Number two, you must have scenes with significant impact. Um, Number three, must have a show more than one season. And number four, must have debuted between 1970 and 1929. So what sucks about that is I really wanted to include Andy Griffith in this thing, but I couldn't because his show debuted in 1969, I believe. But that didn't mean we didn't have any uh, cool, any cool, cool characters to come through. We had Aaron Marks from Atlanta, Jefferson Pierce, Philip Drummond, 
Oh, Jefferson Pierce is from Black Lightning, by the way. Philip Drummond is from Different Strokes. We had Mike Brady from the Brady Bunch. I even included Earl Sinclair in the top 30. He's from Dinosaurs, if you didn't know that. Phil Dunphy from Modern Times. James Evans Sr. from Good Times. When I first put this list out, I think the name that came up the most, well, not the list, uh, but the, when I first put the criteria out, the name that came up the most was Carl Winslow. I think he came up like three or four times. So people really like Carl Winslow. Now, those are just some of the names that appeared in the top 30. But inside of the top 15, to get there, the list actually shifted. It changed. The criteria changed. So you had to be a protective father. That's one. Two, you had to be a teaching father. Three, you had to spend time with children. Your own children within the show, of course. Number four, you had to uh, you had to be a provider. Number five, you had to be patient. Number six, you needed encouragement qualities. Number seven, you had to create rules and boundaries for your children and your household. Number eight, leadership, of course. And if it came down to a tie, it was the toughness of your job at home and at work. So that's our criteria for making the top 15. Well, the top 10, actually. To make the top 10, and I might give up some, uh, a few, what's the word I'm looking for here? I might give you a few honorable mentions, but right now I think we should definitely get into this list. So jump on in this thing, let's get it. Kicking off at number 10, Ron Austin from Gullah Gullah Island, played by Ronald Days. Ron was never on that show without his signature smile. Let me just kick that off right out the gate. Ron and Natalie, probably the two best parenting figures in children TV history. Like, I don't know two parents that are better than Ron and Natalie. But Ron was the head of that household. And because this list focuses on dad, I'm going to try to focus more so on the dads. So Ron had four really good kids. Natalie, uh, not Natalie, sorry, James, Simeon, Vanessa, and Shayna. Shayna was actually their niece, for those of you that didn't know. But keeping it in the realm of the show, they were really good kids, and that could be attributed to, attributed to Ron being a great father. I mean, he had all the qualities of a, the father that you wanted growing up. Um. He was, he was always smiling. He was always showering them with love. It was never really too much. And he just did his thing. He was helping them problem solve and, and learn things about life that they naturally wouldn't learn just on their own. So, shouts out to Ron Austin, our number 10 for great TV dads. 
and and shout out to uh OG Triple OG Benya Benya Polywalk. I would like to see what happened to Benya Benya now, like in the present day, because she was a tad she right. She was a tadpole in the show, and I don't think we ever got to see her actually grow up. And if if she did grow up, I don't remember it because I was probably not watching the show at that point because I had aged out. But yeah, run. Good dad. So rolling in at number nine, we have Mike Brady. Robert Reed plays him. And we're talking about the Brady Bunch, which came out in 1969. And we're going to talk about this date in a minute. But So here's the story. Mike lost his wife, and he's left taking care of three sons, Greg, Peter, Bobby. He ends up meeting Kara, who coincidentally has three daughters, Marsha, Jan, the hater of Marsha, and Cindy. But we're focusing on the dad. This man basically did everything right. He's an architect. He's probably never at home. But some kind of way, he still managed to have time for his family, which is like the best part of being a dad is to spend time with your family. And he made sure he did that. Uh, the kids were balanced. Everything, like if there was an issue or a situation, he handled it down the middle fairly. He was such a good dad that Marshall wrote into a newspaper to make him the father of the year, and he won. Uh, I think the reason he's at number nine for me is that season one, he lost a family member and we never heard from again, which was the, the cat. I mean, they kept the dog, but he lost the cat. And you just can't be losing family members and nobody ever hearing from him again. So Mike Brady ends up at number nine. And don't worry, we're going to get to Carl Winslow. All right, so Mike Brady, number nine. Floyd Henderson, coming in at number eight, played by John Marshall Jones from Smart Guy, uh, debuted in 1997. Floyd seemed to be one of those cool dads. You know, one of those dads that had structure and rules and stuff, but... At the same time, he expected you to learn from experience first. It was very evident, at least to me, that when TJ Marcus and Yvette made mistakes, they were going to learn from them themselves first before he came in and dropped the hammer. But when he did come in to drop the hammer, it was always done with like a level of compassion and subtlety where it wasn't really aggressive. It was like, all right, you made this mistake. You learned from this mistake. You still got to get this punishment, though. I mean, imagine his job was tough, all right, because you had a son whose IQ was probably the highest, one of the highest on earth, and this kid was living seemingly like he was an adult in a child's body and you have to navigate that as a grown man that your son is intellectually smarter than you in everything like that's, that literally has to be really hard to deal with and let's just be real y'all know TJ's level of manipulation was probably over 9,000 anyway so 
Yeah, I said it. I know. I know. Moving on. Number seven. <laughs> and number seven, we have Danny Tanner, played by Bob Saget, by way of Full House, debut in 1987. Danny, shocker of the year here, uh, has a deceased wife. He's also a sportscaster from uh, for Wake Up San Francisco. He also has to raise three daughters, Michelle, Stephanie, and DJ. His story is not really unique. When he was home, he was a loving father. He was cool. But overall, he was kind of boring. Which boring is not bad. Boring can be good. You know, that means you don't have a lot of drama or a lot of issues going on. So in that case, boredom is good. Also, he also had to deal with Kimmy from, you know, the neighbor, the best friend from across the way, coming through, knocking on the door and stuff all the time. Take that back. Did she ever really knock? Because a lot of times she was just sliding through and there she was in the house, just walking in all freely. As a father, I wish, I wish my kids' friends would just walk through my door. Like, hold up, stop, take yourself back outside and knock, please. All right, moving on. At number six, we have Andre Johnson, played by Anthony Anderson. Blackish, debuting in 2014. Andre is a man that's trying to keep his kids grounded. In, in, in reality, he's aware that he and his wife Rainbow does really well for themselves. They are upper middle class they both have really good jobs and he's worried that his kids aren't black enough basically so he spends a lot of his time going through what he thinks black is and pushing that agenda onto his children or, or at least he tries to so that sounds negative in a way i understand so why is he at number six what sets him apart from other dads is the fact that he learns from his kids. He learns from Zoe. He learns from Andre Jr. He learns from Jack and Diane. He learns that just because he grew up one type of way and he sees black one type of way, they see black and they'll sell black in a different way. And usually when he gets into his shenanigans and he starts on them, by the end of the episode, they've taught him something about society and the changes society has had from when he was a kid until now that they're experiencing their childhood and their teenage years and their college years. And let's just be real. He successfully sent one to college. So not only does he learn from his children, he evolves and He's helped them find some measure of success time and time again. So he definitely deserves his number six spot. At number five, James Evans Sr., played by John Amos, Good Times, 1974. Along with his wife, Florida, James probably was a bit of the standard for black love for like generations. It wasn't perfect love. 
It wasn't perfect parenting. It wasn't perfect fathering. But the man did his best with what he had. And he mirrored a lot of black families and some white families. Well, let's just say it this way. He mirrored a lot of black and white families in America. He dealt with stress. He dealt with blood pressure. He dealt with inequality on the job. He dealt with coming home tired from the bull that he had to put up with at work and then to come home and be a father. Was he perfect to his children? Not all the time. Um, was it all fear and hardcore discipline? No, no, it wasn't. I think he taught us all that the strongest of fathers struggle emotionally. And that's a lesson that's probably a lot better in some cases than everything works out all the time. Because what made Good Times a great show was everything didn't work out all the time, but yet the family was still together. And at its core, that family was John. And you could tell that by when John was gone from the show. I'm sorry, I said John. When James, when James' character exited from the show, the show took a bit of a hit. And now those lessons that they were teaching it didn't hit home as hard as it did when he was on the show. So James Evans Sr. definitely deserved to be number five. And Bolton in at number four, the most electrifying person on this list and the only superhero on this list, Jefferson Pierce, played by Chris Williams, Black Lightning, 2018. Again, the only superhero on this list and probably the best superhero dad of all time. Batman, Superman, or Trigun won't ever even come close to this guy. This man is the most relatable superhero dad in the community. Probably the most relatable superhero in the superhero community. He just happens, the man just happens to have lightning powers, but really. Jefferson Pierce's character is basically what the man is himself. Even more so than what Batman does with his kids. And he's a terrible dad, by the way. But anyway, anyway, Jefferson Pierce's character isn't about the fact that he has superhero powers. It's about how he inspires people. He inspires his daughter, Thunder and Lightning, to be better people. He inspires the community to be better he fights against those people that does drugs in the community or sell drugs in the community, whether it be government drug, uh, the 100 gang. It, didn't, it doesn't matter. If you do negativity in his community, he coming through you with a positive charge of a butt whipping. And yes, that was a terrible pun. But nobody, no, I don't want to say nobody, but... He pretty much has all nine of those qualifiers that I told you guys about earlier in the episode. Jefferson Pierce is that character. He's a principal. He's a father. Sometimes husband. It's a weird relationship they have. But at the core of his character, those are the things that are most important to him. His community, his school that he principals over. Go watch the show. Read the comic book if you can. 
But Jefferson Pierce is super relatable. But he does have that one thing that every superhero tend to have. And that's... They lack the, the ability to defend themselves verbally. And he's no different. He also falls short of that trope. Had it not been for that, he probably could have easily cracked the top three. But he didn't. So, moving on. Get your coffee ready, ladies and gentlemen. Because this is the moment you've all been waiting for. Coming in at number three. Drum roll, please. Carl Winslow. Not just Carl Winslow. I got to call his whole name. Carl Otis Winslow. That's right. Played by Reginald Vail Johnson. Family Matters. 1989. Carl is... One of those top dads in every era. It doesn't matter whether it's the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, or anywhere in the 2000s. Carl is just a great dad. Um, especially that episode where he had to handle the cops because they profiled Eddie. And he kind of didn't believe Eddie at first. So then he had to go handle the cops. Then he had to come back home. And tell his son, Eddie, hey, I'm sorry. I should have believed you right out the gate. I made a mistake. Those are the types of things that make fatherhood worth it. That, man, listen, for you to be able to handle a situation to come back to apologize to your kid, that is beyond top-level quality fatherhood right there. Because apologizing to your kid is not something, especially in that era, that was happening often because we, the fathers of that from the 60s and 70s that grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever, they all had that thing like, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Even when I'm wrong, I'm right. And then I might try to fix it, but I ain't going to apologize to you type of thing. And then Carl showed like, hey, I make mistakes, I apologize. He apologized, apologizes to Laura on the show. Eddie and 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 Judy, I think, which brings me to my point of call mistakes and why call is not in the top two. Okay, so hear me out. Where did Judy go, man? When Judy went up them stairs, Judy never came back down them stairs. You can't lose an entire family member and then act like they never existed before. And that's why Carl, Carl's the head of the house. He's the father. He's supposed to protect his kid. I don't know what ghost got Judy or what, but Judy disappeared. I've convinced myself that Judy is probably at the U.S. version of Hogwarts at this point. Uh, it's called... Ilvermorny, if I'm not Ilvermorny, Ilvermorny. No, no, that's wrong. Ilvermorny. There we go. I said it right that time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she left and went there. Uh, whenever we get the rest of those Harry Potter books for the U.S. side of the story, well, another set, whatever. I'm gonna need to figure out if Judy went to that school. Like she got to be on the wall or something, cause Carl just lost his whole daughter, man. Never came down those stairs. 
Come back down the stairs, Judy. And speaking of uh, people who must not be named, coming in at number two, Heathcliff Huxtable, played by Bill, he who must not be named. And I'm about to name him because I can't talk about this character without talking about the name of the show. And the show is The Bill Cosby Show. I said it. Debuted in 1984. Uh, Dr. Hostable and his wife, who was a lawyer named Claire, together raised Sundra, Denise, Vanessa, Rudy, and their one son, Theo. Arguably as a dad and success stories go, Cliff may have won. I mean, let's let's see. Andre, okay. Let's see how Andre Johnson fares out, because he's doing pretty good. But Cliff is still firmly America's dad. At least in my opinion, I see a lot of people I know I know situations may have hurt the man, but the character of Dr. Hostable is a totally different thing. And that character, as it stands, is still America Dad. Andre Johnson could probably t- overtake him, especially when it comes down to accomplishments. But right now, nobody's done what Dr. Hostable has done for his kids. They have been financially stable for years, no issues. He sent one to college. Uh, she didn't stay, but she went. Um, what else? They grew up. All of them grew up really emotionally stable. Let me say that again. They grew up emotionally stable. And emotionally, their parents prepared them for life. So they was able to be successful without many issues. And on top of that, they were able to find successful companions on top of that. So as a parent, what more can you ask for is when your kids grow up and they know how to live and survive without reaching into your pockets. I mean, the cushion will always be there when they need it. But the fact that you were able to send them out and they become successful in their own way, in the way they want to be successful, and it's positive, that's like going through the checkered flag the last time after you turn that circle 180 times. I'm just saying you won that race. Like, there's nothing left. So, before we hit this number one spot, I want to clarify something. Early in the episode, I said the Andy Griffith Show uh, debuted in 1969. I misthought. They debuted in 1960, which is why Andy couldn't make the list. He was too far away from the 70 mark. However, although the Brady Bunch dropped in 1969, it was in September. So I cheated slightly, but I felt like they could go, Mike himself could go on the list because the debut was so close to 1970. And it would have been a tragedy, a tragedy to not include him on this list. So, yeah. That's my explanation. I'm sticking to it. And here's your number one. 
First things first, rest in peace, Uncle Phil. Now, Uncle Phil, James Avery, The Fresh Prince, 1990. Uncle Phil was one of those dads that'll shoot you a look from across the room and you'll like instantly freeze up because you got that much respect for a person that when he gives you a look and you know he means business, you're going to straighten yourself up. That's the type of person Uncle Phil was in this show. And it was cool to see the dynamic of a father after you've been told or after the stereotype has been made for so long that people with money think differently or feel differently from you. That was not the case with Uncle Phil. Yeah, you had Hillary, his daughter, who was money hungry, to say the least. But as far as Uncle Phil, that was a grounded character. And that man was all about his family. To the point when Will showed up, it wasn't an easy transition for him, but he accepted him anyway. Uncle Phil was one of those dads. And you could probably attribute this to the fact that he was a judge. That he exemplified all nine, all nine of my criteria to make this list. It was un it was no way that I couldn't make him number one. Man, he does when it comes down to that that list of nine things, he just like puts them all together and he makes one great dad. If you put the list together, put it in the microwave, throw some DNA in there, it's gonna come out as Uncle Phil. Like, it just those are just the facts. Uncle Phil was the most well-rounded father of all time. No matter what he was dealing with, and yes, he did get angry, and yes, he did show his angry face, which is fine. I'm not saying that's a negative on him. I'm just saying whatever he was dealing with, he did it with dignity, with grace, with poise, and not too many people on this top 10. Out of the top 40, could say that they've done that or could do that. Hillary was spoiling Dixie. Carlton was doing whatever it was that Carlton does. And Ashley was becoming a woman way too fast for Uncle Phil's taste. But whatever his kids threw at him and definitely whatever Will threw at him, he managed to handle all of it like a true OG. And that is why Uncle Phil will be number one and probably will be number one on everybody's list. Well, anybody's list that makes a top 10 about fathers or great father characters or whatever. Uncle Phil is probably going to top the list in top two every time. First off, Thank you for making it to the end of this episode. It's awesome that you got here. Secondly, before I let you go, before you run away, don't leave until you learn my new Twitter handle because that changed because we changed the name of the podcast. So at top 10 B underscore BK Spaze with a Z. That's at top 10 underscore BK Spaze with a Z. Thank you for listening. It means a lot. Um, I hope to see you at the next episode. 
And right now, our Facebook is still exactly the same. Is uh, the top 10 reasons why podcast. For some reason, it's not allowing me to change it right now. So I'm going to put this at the end of the show as well. So you can find me there. But as soon as I figure out or get it fixed where I can change it on the next episode or the episode after that, I will tell you what it's going to be named. And it's probably just going to be named Top 10 with BK Space. But right now, it's the exact same thing. So again, hit me up on Twitter. Top 10 underscore BK space. See you.